So this this will be the the show that you know you guys say. You remember our last show? Pablo Morali Martinez. And I'm Ernesto Mancivo. And together we are the Robots versus Taxes program. On Radio Free Brooklyn. And with us in the studio is Anthony Ravello. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Woo! Anthony Woo! Ravello. I'm so, I'm so excited. Good buddy, good friend of the show. Thank you. Um, you know, it's an honor. <laughs> been a lifelong dream of mine to be here I'm, I'm i'm completely honored to be amongst the both of your aura and professionalism it's it's oozing out of both of you thank you which reminds me pavel did you venmo him the money to say that yet or it's in the mail <laughs> <laughs> uh say hello to all of our fan out there uh anthony you're pretty much like a whole third of our listener base. Yeah. So, you know, we appreciate you. We appreciate you being on the show. I meant, when I said fan, I meant my ceiling fan. That's it. <laughs> um, uh, we're self-deprecating. Yes, we are. But today uh, on our show, we are continuing our long-running segment of pitting two movies against each other. Movie fight. Uh, with in one corner, the Italian stallion himself, Sylvester Stallone. Uh, in the infamous Judge Dredd, uh, a movie that uh really, uh, in the annals of comic book history, is located by the bleachers in the back, located. <laughs> It's it's so far back that nobody notices that it's even there. But yes, we're reviewing Judge Dredd versus another movie that I didn't even know was based on a fucking comic book. Time Cop, <laughs> starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. The muscles from Brussels himself. Yes, that's right. JCVD. Let's, let's start with Time Cop. Um, just because, <laughs> I, and I can't believe I'm, I'm going to say this. This was surprisingly ahead of its time in certain ways. Uh, we started off with our protagonist, uh, Walker, <laughs> played by Mr. Jean-Claude Van Damme himself. <laughs> and uh, as, as we're progressing through the film, you know, it establishes the, uh, the, quint the quintessential uh, like requirements for every cop slash hero movie of the 80s and 90s he's sort of like you know your regular all-american guy with a thick accent um who has a beautiful girlfriend played by uh Mia Sarah. Mia Sarah. yeah Ferris Bueller's girlfriend there yeah 
That's right. That's right. She was also in uh, Legend. Um, oh, so, right. yeah, she uh, she had a few legend. roles, and she I, I looked up her IMDb. It's, it lists her as uh, semi-retired. So, you know, if anybody wants to offer her a role, I'm pretty sure she'll come back. Um, but anyway, um, they're establishing this whole world uh, around him. But one thing I picked up on quickly was uh, the politics that are being mentioned in the background, um, especially when we meet uh, one of the, not one of the, like the villain of the movie, uh, McComb, Senator McComb, uh, played by none other than Ron Silver. Ron Silver. Dude, <laughs> I, I, can I, I just want to chime in here. He has to be one of my favorite fucking villains of... He, he's he's got to be one of, he's like he feels like a remnant of 80s villains you know he's just so like so, scuzzy and slimy and he's got all the one-liners and he talks like a hollywood like he talks like a cross between christopher walken and like a hollywood agent it's it's great i i love his performance yeah I, I felt like it was a reflection of like pacino of that era i mean he was like you know kind of like you know they couldn't afford Pacino, so they brought they brought him in. And... <laughs> we don't have Pacino money. Get me Ron Silver, you know. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna be doing this with uh, we, John Claude Van Damme. We can't update <laughs> him. So, you know who, who else? We yes. First, Bueller's girlfriend. Yeah, you know. Yes. Let's see what we got here. You know, let's work. Let's surround him. Let's surround him with these nondescript people yeah. who who won't take away from his shine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you totally, totally hit it off the head. But uh, and we'll put John Claude Van Damme in, you know, with long hair and short hair, so we don't have to pay him twice. <laughs> you know, we just use him more than once. <laughs> it's like, and what, what hairstyle can we give the the future Jean Claude in this movie? Right. A mullet. Yeah. Oh, future right. mullet. That's, that's gonna. Because <laughs> yeah, that 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 haircut is never gonna change. What like that that haircut <laughs> is forever. Even when it turns into a wig at some point, when it's noticeably a wig, it's like, you know, it's just so perfect. It's just so perfect to his character. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't want to cause you guys to go off on a tangent because, you know. Uh, well, that's I, what we do here. Yeah, I was going to say, I really do don't care. <laughs> that's the spirit. The, the, the haircut thing. Can I just, the bad guys, what was going on with that? Like, all of a sudden, you know, these guys walk in and, you know, they look like, you know, something out of like a Weird Al video from like, you know, <laughs> the lady. Oh, hell yes. Hell yeah. I hate, I hate the costuming of future thugs because they always, they always got to give them leather. Um, the sides of their heads always have to be shaved. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm surprised that they didn't have like tattoos on their faces because that's kind of what they give every future thug. In regards to their look, it's like, oh, they're so they're so bad that right. they're ahead. Look, you know? I, I told my wife, I was like, uh, because I saw Judge Dredd first, and I was like, this is like the future brought to you by Hot Topic. And then I saw uh, Time Cop, and I was like, this is the future brought to you by Supercuts, because everyone's <laughs> hair was terrible. Like it just seemed like, like they were just like, uh, just shave the like you said, Anthony, just shave the side of his head. And just like yeah. send him out there, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Future future thugs. Um, it, it almost seems like they got uh, fired from the Back to the Future two set 
Uh, like they look like they were Biff Griff Tannins, um, yeah. like whole, like hoodlum was, friends. So this is like you know you want to talk about the 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 Back to the Future. This was like you know Back to the Future if you found it at a garage sale. I mean, <laughs> the logic was I was like following. I didn't know what the hell was going on halfway through. I'm like, all right, wait a minute. If this guy moves to the future and like. You know, I, I'm not that smart. I'm trying to figure this out. You know, I need to know it's got to go to 88 miles an hour. And then, you know, this is like people are showing up. One guy's arm gets blown off, you know, frozen off. I don't know. Um, that was that was a wonderful effect, I got to say, it for was. its time. That that effect was the, one of the stupidest things I've seen. That was the best part of the movie. <laughs> oh, and, and, so and, Ferris and Ferris Bueller's girlfriend's boobs. I mean, you know. <laughs> I only well, you know, 30 years too late. Yeah, I, it was so weird because I was just like, oh, man, I used to have such a crush on Mia Sarah. Um, and then I was just like, oh, she's in this movie. Oh, she's in this movie. OK. Um, but but the thing about that is it was such a weird wind up because I know that Jean-Claude Van Damme is notoriously vain. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. like he loves, he not only loves to cast himself once in a movie, he likes to cast himself twice because he's <laughs> been in movies where he's cloned very often. Um, I'm talking about double impact. And then there was a, I think there was something else. It was sudden, sudden clone, sudden twin, who cares? Um, <laughs> But, um, it, it, you know, he's he's in this movie and, you know, he's making love to Mir Sarah. All you, you see every fucking muscle. He's like flexing every muscle possible. There's a gratuitous <laughs> ass shot of him. And I'm just like, really, dude, come on. Seriously. But, you know, that was in his contract. They're just like, I'm not going to do this movie unless I have a butt shot at the beginning. <laughs> you know, and they're just like, OK, Jean, no, no worries. No worries. We know your deal. Um, yeah, they showed more of him than they did of her. And I was just like, all right, well, I guess this is, this is what it was, you know? Um, cause time cop is geared for the ladies. Oh, I'm sorry for that. I didn't mean to. Oh, no, no, it, that's all right. <laughs> go, go on ahead. No, she, she doesn't, um, she doesn't change. Like her, like her wardrobe, her look was exactly the same as I had seen her, at least in that movie. And like, as I'm watching the two of them, you know, he's doing his thing. She's doing her thing. And, you know, they're playing their characters, but chemistry really to me wasn't there like you didn't feel it yeah no of course not because jean-claude van damme only falls in love with jean-claude van damme um <laughs> there is no room for anybody else to be like you know for them to like develop something akin to chemistry the only person that i felt had any chemistry whatsoever with him was um was his enemy his nemesis but that's only because Ron Silver had such a played such a a charismatic bad guy. Um, because, mm-hmm. because Ron Silver can act. Yeah, because Ron Silver can act like he hates Jean Claude Van Damme, and I think that's kind of easy to do, right? You just meet him once, Jeez. and you just like want to punch him in the face. <laughs> All right, so here, here's here's my revelation. I met Jean Claude Van Damme in person online at the breakfast buffet at a hotel in Hawaii. That's no, you didn't. I was. Did on you re- Holy shit! This was right around the time of the movie too. 1995. I was on my honeymoon, and I was on the breakfast buffet at whatever the hotel was. It was the Pink Hotel. It's still there. 
um, my wedding, my marriage is in, but the, the hotel is still there. And John Claude Van Damme, I turn Jesus around, I'm like, Christ. I know this guy. And I look over and I'm like, what do I know him? I was like, oh man, that's John Claude Van Damme. He was standing after him. He was standing next to Christy Yamaguchi, who was in the Olympics. She oh, was in the hotel. Oh shit, for real? Yeah. Holy cow. <laughs> I'm imagining Did he you try to give her tips. Like, he's like, this is how you do his split. You know? <laughs> You're only going to have one piece of French toast. <laughs> Did you say anything to him? No, what am I going to say to him? Hey, no. muscles from Brussels. Think fast. It's like, can you, can you, you going to eat that waffle? I mean, what? <laughs> Just to steer it back to Time Cop a little bit. That, some of the politics they were talking about in the background you could hear on either on the radio or in the newscast that was playing during the film talking about white supremacists getting um getting funding for some sort of uh for march uh, for a march right for, for for either a march or um to match like campaign funds or something like that and i was just like did this movie kind of predict trump because when you when you look at the character of uh, Senator McComb, he has some Trumpy yeah, qualities to him. He like Trumpism. he treats everybody around him like shit. He thinks he's bigger than he is. Like and um, he's obviously a scumbag, but uh, for some reason, like he gets zero repercussions up until Jean Claude Van Damme has to kick him Broadway style, you know. Um, <laughs> into the end into the end of the movie um but um you know what both you know what now that we're talking about this both of these movies had very uh, like kind of a, a prescient kind of uh uh of a message to them because one was just like hey what if cops like got out of hand and like in in judge dread um uh, like there's a there's a chief justice that goes like how about we just start executing people for minimum like offenses and I was just like oh wow how very 2020 of them you know um, but but I think you guys are you know you kind of you're putting it in the scope of today but the reality is this stuff you know it's not new that was actually the blueprint for this and this is it maturing and and coming to its fruition um it was being you know the rodney king trial in 92 you know the episode and all that stuff back in 92 i mean that was very much on the forefront of everybody's mind and and you know how you know the country was shifting in its in its attitudes um you know not to get into the political socio-political aspect of it but you know this the the trump phenomenon without you know talking about that is not something that came out in 2016. Um, you know, the groundwork for that, you know, he, he personified it, but the groundwork for that was definitely set up in, you know, as far back, you know, I mean, if you want to get technical, you can look into the 60s and 70s, but, you know, the 80s and into the 90s, the 90s are clearly the, the tipping point where you shifted. You had reality TV or the talk shows and you had, you know, the, uh, the uh, Morton Downey Jr. and all of that. And Trump was right in there. He was in there at that moment. And he saw mm. that and he capitalized mm. on it. But he, he wasn't doing it alone. Fox Fox became something at that point. Yeah. So are, finally, you, are you trying to say that that uh, Donald Trump saw Time Cop and was inspired? 
<laughs> I, no, I think, I, I think Donald Trump is part of the whole time cop thing, and he actually went back in time. And, and, and you guys, nobody listens to me. And this is the only podcast that would put me on. But finally, I have a voice. Oh, my God. I am... Um... Stay wow. tuned for democracy. Uh, you now. heard it here first, folks. And, if, if and the water makes story. the frogs gay. <laughs> well, well, let's not go into science yeah, now. That's but not... um, but uh, the the way things are going now, I would not be surprised if that theory uh, hit the the blogosphere or whatever, or came up from QAnon. It's just like. Did you guys see Time Cop? That's actually what Trump's plan is. He went back in time to inform himself to run for president, to get the pedophiles, and blah, blah, blah. Anywho, um, there, were, there were certain moments in this movie that uh, kind of spoke to the, um, uh, the situations of today, which I think officially makes Time Cop a, uh, a timeless gem in regards to, in regards to film. <laughs> I think uh, I think they'll be I think they'll start studying this in film schools, and uh, and just letting us know if if I if I can just be a little bit of a a, a dicky nerd right now I, I want to know how does the whole time thing work like they they get into like this uh, rocket sled right yeah and they they fire it into a magnetic field and when they get to the past they just pop out of a pop out of time space and then when they come back the sled is pointing the other way like how does that um i i honestly dude like that's one of those things where i was just like wait how does this work because um (laughs) with regards to uh what's his name Uh, uh ron silver's character uh senator mccomb right when he goes back in time uh he appears like in every scene that he needs to appear just like he smoothly like walks in and he's just like i beg to differ you know uh, i'm going to come in and i'm going to like you know strike up a conversation with myself uh and i'm going to close this land deal and then um when jean-claude van damme launches himself back in time he is like they launch him into like the middle of a lake or in front of a truck. And I'm just like, how come did he get like the fucking, you know, the, the RC Cola version of fucking, you know, of time travel. Cause like, and and how does it work? How did like, um, I, I don't understand how the, the, the rocket sled works. Um, why is it that he's in a sitting position when he's flying into that, the, the, the Canon films logo? And then why is he immediately standing? (laughs) Like, I, I don't, I don't get it. I, I like this, this, this movie, like it's, it's like, it tries to take the time travel shit seriously. Um, but then it's just so goofy. It's just so fucking goofy. Also, guys, uh, did you guys notice that this movie has perhaps the worst knife fight I've ever seen committed yes. to film? Oh, <laughs> man. Jean Claude didn't need to do anything. To, just, just hold up the knife. The other guy will do the work. Yeah. 
<laughs> at one point, <laughs> at one point, he's just holding a knife in front of the dude who's trying to kill him, and the the guy just looks like he's fucking tossing a salad. Like he's just, you know, <laughs> he's just he's uh he's he's the chef Benny Hanna. He's just like the dinner is the show, you know. <laughs> It's like I'll just wait for you to be done, and then I will kick you. So he's like, "I'm just building up in my split on the kitchen counter where you can see my ass." Uh, How did he get off the counter? I missed that. <laughs> oh, he called. Yeah. He called AAA. He did. He did. <laughs> they they just cut away. They were just yeah. like and scene. You know. I was looking at that. I was like, "All right, how's he gonna get down? It's all wet on the floor. He's gonna get electrocuted." He just stayed up there the whole time until the water evaporated, and then he was just like, "Oh, that was a that was a hard five hours of split." <laughs> oh. I pulled my hammy, my glutes. <laughs> These are horrible oh, oh, Jean Claude Van Damme impressions, but whatever. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, he he's not around enough for us to like perfect that. Uh, yeah impression just yet but um can we talk about uh gloria rubin's character who played uh tec agent fielding um oh, who yeah, right. became his his new partner for like two and, seconds uh, <laughs> for for like a, a second yeah. right uh she went back in time with him she seemed like she was you know on the up and up and then completely out of left field she is in cahoots with senator mccomb right um, Did she need to be in the film? That's what I'm wondering. No, she didn't. Um, she could have just been any other goon. I don't understand why they were just like, hey, I'm an important character in the show. I'm, a, and I'm an important character in the movie. And then she's like pulls a gun on him and then she's gone for pretty much all the film because like she gets shot. And then Jean-Claude Van Damme has to go visit her in the hospital. For what reason? <laughs> Who cares? Um <laughs> I, I I don't I don't know I I like there are there are choices in this movie that seem like they're just padding out the running time, and I'm pretty sure at one point her character was supposed to be like, you know, more, but then Jean Claude yeah. Van Damme was just like, no, I want my dick to be a bigger, and then they just fucking. <laughs> I didn't kind of go there, but <laughs> well, you know, he's just like he wants to like be the center of the movie. He doesn't want to share the screen with like, you know, somebody who's gonna like, uh, uh, you know, uh, provide expository dialogue and like, you know, add at least the glimmer of character into. Because once she hopped onto the movie, I was just like, okay, all right, this is kind of cool. Like she's his partner. She's like, uh, she's gonna bring like a different dynamic to the whole thing, and boom, she's gone. So kind of like wasn't she? Kind of like how wasn't I she in com- I'm sorry. Say that again. Sorry. It's kind of like how I'm feeling on this show. <laughs> oh shit. Oh. Uh... <laughs> Just eye candy. <laughs> oh, but. <laughs> I was gonna ask you, it was just asshole. I was gonna ask you, like, <laughs> hold on, I got the FCC on the other line. <laughs> I was gonna ask you, I was just like, Anthony, what do you think about like her role in the in the movie? Thank you, Pavel. I appreciate it. You know, <laughs> the pathos and the ethos, and and uh, you know, it was very, very, you know, yin and yang, and blah blah blah. <laughs> I actually, I, I agree. I think you know, her her. 
her character, it seems like they cut down the the uh, the role. There was that there was clearly it felt like there was something more there, and you know they they shaved that character down to something, you know. But I couldn't figure out why. I couldn't figure out what it was, and part of it, then you know, she just became symbolic if anything else you know all right we got to have you know a, a diversified cast and there really wasn't one and it's 1993 or 95 or whatever that year it was it came out in 94 mm. i think all right and, and it looked a little forced you know and you know she 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 could have been obviously she could have been a love interest and they threw the family in there yeah there could have been something in there I, I I just don't think they knew how to write for women uh, in this entire movie. Like there was no, there was nothing substantial about uh, Walker's wife. She was just like you know, oh help me, you know, and uh, I died, and now I'm for some reason your complete motivation because you found out I was pregnant afterward. And but other than that, there was no there was no depth to her. I really didn't care if she lived or or not, you know. Um, uh, but I could say the same thing about any character in this movie. And the same thing with uh, um, Agent Fielding. It was just like, oh, you know, I'm yeah. a woman and they're going to give me a fight scene. But other than that, yeah, you know, they could have, she could have been like a, a cartoon rabbit for all I care. And it would have had the same impact on the film. But did, did you feel like that was different for Jean-Claude Van Damme's character? I mean... They were just banking off of his name, you know. Right. It's just so I think John Claude Van Damme. Just might have been the writing in general. I don't know. I'm, you know, you guys are the probably. I mean, we're we're asking too much of this film. I mean, that that is that is true. You know, where it's like, how how do the physics of time travel work? It's just like, dude, shut up. You know, you're you're watching this movie for free. You know. <laughs> Wait a minute! I paid for it. Damn it! You had to pay for. Oh, dude. I'll I'll compensate myself by giving a plug to Bagelsmith on Laura. <laughs> Where is it located? On the corner of Lorimer and Metropolitan Avenue. There's one location there. There's another location on Bedford. But if you go into the Lorimer location, you go and look for the owner Frank, and you tell Frank that Anthony sent you. <laughs> he won't do anything for you, but he will. I like Frank, I like Frank to know that I'm telling people about the place. He will provide you with one free, uncomfortable glance. Um, <laughs> so Frank's anyways. the best. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, but uh, uh, what was I gonna say? Um, the, uh, guys, uh, you know, let's get to the real meat of this movie right did anybody yeah. else laugh when mia sarah fell off the roof <laughs> oh jeez! what the, what the <laughs> hell i mean that whole scene it's raining they're on the roof he just i just love how she, she was just like don't worry i've got it all handled don't worry baby i'm coming for you and she just like Whatever she was hanging on to just gives way, and she just falls like a rag doll down the side of the house. Man, oh. you, you show me that, that part was unrealistic to me. You show me any Brooklyn Italian Brooklyn girl who's going to be climbing on the damn roof, falling off the roof in a rainstorm. There's no way. I grew up in the neighborhood. There's no girl that I knew that's going to be climbing on the goddamn roof in the middle of a rainstorm. And if she is out there, let me tell you something. She's going to kick his ass. <laughs> 
Oh man, in a silk robe, nonetheless. Like yes. she was, uh, she was primed for for an action scene, all right, but uh, not the one that uh, we're describing. Anyway, um, I don't know why I went in that direction, but she that that whole scene was was hilarious. That movie, it's it's a product of its time. Like, what can we say? Yes. You know, um, I am quite serious about watching part two, though, because perhaps they they left some. <laughs> some things open-ended. For example, we never actually figure out how Senator McComb is going back in time. He's not using the facilities over at, uh, you know, TEC. He must have some sort of well, they, other, they talk, like, like base bargain basement version. No, he does. <laughs> it, was a proto, it was a prototype in Maryland. Remember? Yeah, they do talk about it. Anthony's right. They do talk about it, Ernesto. Uh, Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. They were they had, just like, like there was. They said they. Oh, go ahead, Pavel. No, they, yeah, they did. They said that the prototype that they were initially using was never dismantled in Maryland. Huh. You must have tuned that huh. out because of the riveting dialogue in this movie. I think I stopped giving a fuck about this movie <laughs> after the whole. You know, there's never enough time to satisfy a woman. Oh God. <laughs> Yeah, I, I tuned out a bunch of times. Oh, I kind of lost it when he put his foot up at the guy in the mall, and he just kept <laughs> his foot up in front of his face. Read this. I'm like, either kick his ass or something. You know? <laughs> that part was just like, oh, my God, come on. I think that's a good segue in regards to uh, cop action into our second pick for this uh, this episode, The Judge Dredd, starring uh, – None other than Sylvester Stallone. This movie came out in 1995 and was directed by Danny Cannon. Danny Cannon. That sounds like a porn star's name. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, this movie was a fucking slog to, to get through. What did you think, Anthony? Anthony's um, dying to make a joke yeah. out of that no, porn joke. No, that you just made. Like, it, he's literally crying because he wants to make a joke. <laughs> Just no. let it out, man. We're not proper here. It had Diane Lane, you know, and she, I have like, you know, flashbacks to my, you know, outsider's days. So, you know, because I'm old and decrepit. So, <laughs> honestly, I think, you know, the Outsiders has a lot of fans. I, a lot I, of fans. I know. I'm one of them. But here's, here's the thing Diane Lane in that role, I don't know if she was, you know, it just didn't feel natural. Once again, I think, you know, there was the chemistry part was off. Um, I want to see her in, you know, uh, you know, under a Tuscan sun. <laughs> That's a much classier <laughs> picture than I mean, what we got. I, I want to, you know, I want to drink my chamomile tea and just, you know, just be me on a Saturday afternoon watching her be, you know, the wonderful person that she is finding her emotions in a, in a taut, you know, tawdry world, you know, but not, you know, judge dread. It was just not there for me. I, I, th that's another thing where I was just like, uh, with me as Sarah, I was like, why are you in this movie? And then when I saw Judge Dredd, I was like, why are you in this movie? You know, to Diane Lane. I was like, why are you here? I was surprised to see her. I was, because I was just like, right off the bat, it's like, you see Rob Schneider's goofy ass get on, get off of the plane. <laughs> And then I'm just Honestly, like, oh, I see what kind of movie this is. And then Diane Lane shows up, and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> it was another case of, you know, the casting just seemed a little like, all right, 
this Rob Schneider is an up and coming, I guess, at that moment. Let's put him in here, and he'll be the comic relief. And Sh uh, and uh, Stallone is doing his thing, and we're going to take him, you know, into the next genre, and he's going to do his. Thing. And it just seemed like pieces, but they didn't kind of work together. Yeah. Mm. Um, Rob, Rob Schneider actually, although he was, you know, goofy, and you know, uh, in my opinion, based on some of the stuff that came afterwards, um, he was probably better and i say that because he didn't really lean on his uh typical uh culturally offensive <laughs> yeah i was gonna say this oh, is his, oh, oh. This like is his usually least offensive role <laughs> yeah i mean he, here he was actually trying to do you know comedy and you know and you could see it was you know the one-liners and he was trying to be this you know the, the quirky you know comedy comic sidekick and but you know he didn't come out you know making accents and you know doing all that stuff which came in almost every movie afterwards yeah and, right um, um this was the moment where you saw there was hope yeah even though there is a joke about him shitting himself at one point um Pure so, gold. not much dignity in that <laughs> um but uh but yeah i was like uh, with diane lane i was just like this is it's weird to see her in this movie with with uh, Sylvester Stallone and Armand Desante, like trying to out act each, I want to say act each other. But here's the thing: I I think Armand Desante, uh, who plays Rico, is the best part of this film because he knew what the fuck this was walking in. He was just like, "This is not uh, <laughs> looking toward the future. It's like this isn't a portrayal of Gotti. No, this is just." Uh, this is just a check. I'm the bad guy. That's what I'm going to be here. I mean, for me, for me, this film, like the, the, the top line for me is just like, you want fear? I'm fear. You want chaos? I'm the chaos. You want a new beginning? Slam. I'm the new beginning. Like, mwah. Mwah. Way to go. Way to go. And the Academy Award goes to... Hey, close. <laughs> but, you know, the, then ha I mean, you, you had the t Max von si what's his name? Max von uh, Sidow. Max von Sidow. Yeah, I mean, you could see he was in there and he acts. He knows. <laughs> I was so surprised to see him too. I was like, the they got Max von Sidow and Diane Lane. Why are they in this? They're a they're barely in it. Um. And B, they just like they have nothing to contribute to the movie. Like, well, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I mean, it looked like they, you know, clearly the budget wasn't, you know, the same. I can't believe it was the same as, you know, a Star Wars. Even at that time, they weren't getting that kind. And they tried to build up some, I think, some credibility. And you start putting like the all star cast together. And, you know, there's not a lot of lot a lot of chemistry in there. It's because all that money went towards the cod piece, the gold That's cod true. piece that Judge Dredd wears, because uh, this this movie knows exactly exactly what, what kind of shots to pick for I Sylvester actually, Stallone. I wear that during Zoom calls. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed. I noticed, and I was just like. Oh. Anthony, uh, you, know, you really decked yourself out for for our show. Really, well, you the know, gold cod piece. That's that's really what you're going no with, expense. huh? It spared no expense. <laughs> oh man, um, yeah. Uh, 
can we talk about one thing? I think Sylvester Stallone tried to give Judge Dredd a, uh, uh, a like a slogan. Like he was just like, I knew you were gonna say that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was, it's a nineties action movie. Like that's you know, that's what they that's what they did, you know. And for those uh who are listening who don't know, like uh Judge Dredd in the comics, um, it deals with like the collapse of basically almost the entire planet. So everybody sort of clusters into these huge cities, and because of that, law and order break down. So police officers are given basically all the power in the world. So essentially 2020, right? Right. Um, and, <laughs> and, you know, taking it from like the hardcore material that it was in the comics, you know, it definitely wasn't a, a child-friendly sort of topic. And then glossing it up for the big screen. And it's like, we'll give it, we'll give it Blade Runner feels and we'll, we'll put quips in it. And some, you know, uh, some, a cod piece, thank you. And some sexual tension sort of like like anthony said like there's no chemistry we didn't see we didn't really see the build-up coming i mean um diane lane did say you know that's one you owe me uh dread it's just like one what like and then you realize later it's the hunk of chunk oh right right you know? so that's in chunk. reference to another to another stallone film i think it was demolition man but uh <laughs> um Another thing, so, um, like, I hate, I, I've, I've talked about it before on previous podcasts, I hate future styles, um, <laughs> like the styles that, in, especially in the, in the ni- in 90s movies where they were just like, this is going to be the style, right? Um, <laughs> did, did, what do you guys think of Judge Dredd's costume? Whoa, 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 whoa what are you going to say? Are, are we allowed to go back to the other movie? Yeah, yeah, we're, we can yeah. go back. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to break any, you know, any laws here because you know. I, uh, the the, the <laughs> law. The, the, we are the law. <laughs> so, so that other movie wasn't it like ten years in the future? What? Yes, yes, yes it was. It wasn't ten years. In the, I got shit laying around my house for the last ten years. I haven't picked up. This guy's driving cars with no windows and. It's like all futuristic going in through time. And it was like, what, 2004? They were supposed to be in 2004? Yeah. 2004 was supposed to be the far future in this film. And I can't agree with you more how much I hated the quote-unquote future tech. Those cars, those were just like Winnebago's covered in like plastic. And it's like, all right, we have self-driving cars in the future. I'm like, it's Lego. <laughs> Made out of Lego. It's Lego. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it, it, it looked like they were just like, what do we have? Oh, well, the catering department has a bunch of pots and pans that they need to, like, get rid of. Yeah. You would just I mean, stick those onto the front of the car. And just... Right. And you, you know that you'd be parked next to some guy with, like, a 10-year-old Saturn that's not turning over. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, the yeah. other, at least Judge Dredd, you know, it's so far in the future, you know. Yeah, you know, I mean... Uh, I don't know. All the cars, the the, the vehicles and s- stuff looked just the 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 motorcycles look shitty and under uh, unnecessarily bulky. And um, <laughs> well, I'll get into. The, I, I feel like we should get into the special effects of it later. But 
Um, the only car that I thought, the only future car that I thought looked pretty good was that dude's Ferrari before Dread blew it up. Um, <laughs> but um, what was I going to say? It's like what? a sports car from now. <laughs> what? It really looked like a car from now. Yeah, it does. It does. It does. It, it, it looked, I thought the, the design of that car was cool. I also thought the look of the future city, uh, it looked so bad. I don't know. It just looked, I don't know. The It, it looked like, um, I know I'm going to get into nerd territory here, uh, but it looked like kind of like Coruscant uh, from afar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah. From, from the Star Wars just, prequels. Just endless tall buildings and uh, flying cars. It's just like the future. And for some reason, uh, the Statue of Liberty. Which, well, that's from, like, which escape from New York and Planet of the Apes, and you know, well, they keep using that as yeah, you know. exactly, exactly. And I'm Collab- just like, the collapse of freedom. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, what is this? Feels like just the future threw up on this movie. Um, <laughs> what did you guys think of? Uh, did you guys notice that uh, Stallone's boots were like he had like the highest of high heels on his boots? Because he's a tiny guy. Can we just admit? Uh, no, he's <laughs> my height. <laughs> yeah, but he, he's not like, you know, he's not like six foot seven. But in this movie, they try to make him tower over people. So they add like an extra, like they add, you know, he's and he's got that. Uh, he's got the bottom, the cartoon bodybuilder's body where he's like really heavy up top and he's got the skinny legs. So it makes it look <laughs> really bad. I don't know. Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't focus on anything else during those scenes where he's just like walking around, not wearing his helmet. They also gave him the gold-plated shoulder pads to like accentuate the width of his shoulders and well, stuff that was like that. 90s. It was shoulder pads were very in in the nineties. Yeah. That is true. That is true. You could not buy a blazer without shoulder pads. Yes. Um, but uh, the the look of this movie. They were trying to make back their money by saying, if we emulate the comic book as much as possible, you might be able to have some success with this without, like, we can't really put the content, like, as graphic as it is in the books on screen. So, uh, because back then they didn't know that an R rated movie could, you know, work in regards of um, action. They wanted the broadest audience possible. But uh, if we make it look like a comic book as much as possible, then, you know, we'll get everybody in. Um, was this unfortunately, com- I... I'm sorry. I'm sorry? No, please, go ahead. Is this coming on the heels of uh, Dick Tracy and uh, the Batman with, uh, uh, what's his name, with uh, Jack Nicholson? I mean, that's the comic book bar at that point. You know, you're not talking yeah. about Superman 1970, whatever, with Christopher Reeve. <laughs> and you're talking about all the stuff from Marvel. Star Wars is still kind of in its infancy, you know, relative to the the entire, you know, nine plus movies that came out. You know, they, they look like they took the set from the Jawa at one point. I was waiting for the damn Jawa to come out. And then they had those three guys hanging over the set. You know, it was like they took scenes from other movies and just kind of plopped them in there. And I'm true. You know, it, it just seemed True. like going with, you know, a formula that was going to work, you know. They went for emulation and not interpretation. Because at least with, at, but um, like at least with movies, like as you mentioned before, Dick Tracy and um, 
uh, what was the other one? I'm sorry. Nicholson and Batman, right? And Batman. There was at least, yeah, there was at least a certain amount of interpretation that they did to make it work on the screen as opposed to just uh, a one-for-one copy. Dread was just like, well, look at all this other stuff that worked. We'll just copy that and uh, call it a day. Yeah, the 90s had some weird, like, superhero choices. Remember, it was like, it was like the like uh, Judge Dredd, Barb Wire, Tank Girl. Um, oh yeah. yeah! Oh my God! Holy shit! Right. It was just all these fucking weird choices, and then the movies were shit. It was just awful. Um, so, except for like, of course, eighty nine Batman, and and of course this movie, and um, Under a Tuscan Sun, and Under the Tuscan Sun. That's right. <laughs> She's yeah, a national you're, you're treasure. Serious, you're seriously like not only smitten with Diane Lane, but you're an under the Tuscan Sun uh, fan. You're a Tuscan. Uh, just know that movie from her. <laughs> She's I mean, been yeah. in more movies. <laughs> like... You guys are realizing the mistake of bringing me on the show. I've seen like five movies, okay. and two of them are the ones you made me watch. Right, right. <laughs> But oh, when we do good, we want to do Goodfellas because I've seen that too. Okay, Goodfellas, <laughs> Under the Tuscan Sun, Judge Dredd and Time Cop, the extent of Anthony's film knowledge, and Santa, Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny. <laughs> okay, all right, fair enough. <laughs> Santa and the Ice but, Cream uh, Bunny. <laughs> wow, uh, that's yeah. a pick. That's yeah. a pick right there. But um, it's on Criterion. Yeah. <laughs> in regards to this movie and and the way it speaks to uh policing um there, there was something that really struck me at the end like he uh, judge dread uh, spoiler if you haven't seen this <laughs> gem um is that he's completely exonerated from from his crimes because you know he had a clone in armando sante and instead of you know stepping up to change the system so that not only does that mistake uh, get corrected, but perhaps he can have a say in regards to the cruelty that he himself was guilty of towards uh, Rob Schneider's character in regards to basically over-policing him. He was caught inside of a little machine, so he has to do five years. Like, come on. Um, he's just like, no, I'm a street judge. And he, you know, suits up, gets back on his bike, and everybody claps, and I'm just like, you guys just cheered on an abhorrent amount of police violence and didn't address any of the problems that caused this movie to happen. That's one of those, that's one of the choices where I, I it kind of left me slack jawed at the end because he kills other cops. Like he kill, he like, they're chasing him and he just blows them. Like he blows them the fuck away. And, and he threw a guy off of a hover bike like like 30 stories in the air he's just like bye scumbag i'm just like he was doing his job yeah i know right he was like he knows your first name he's been over your house <laughs> <laughs> he knows you as joe like uh, also joe dread really okay um <laughs> joseph it's a it's a biblical name yeah joey dread right little joey dread from the block um, that's right 
you know, Marty and, and, and Esther's boy, little Joey Dredd. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, Joey and Rico. Um by the way, guys, I'm sorry. I wanted to bring this up, but uh, that early '90s um, computer. Eff- I love, I love computer effects in '90s movies, where like <laughs> you see, like in Mission Impossible, like they they show that computers. You if you use the word hack, it means the computer has magical powers that can do anything, right? Um, and, and in this movie, did you guys notice that when they they have that picture of Judge Dredd as a little boy, as a baby boy in front of his parents, and then you know what's his name, Balthazar Getty is like, no, this this movie, this picture has been digitally altered, and then Diane Lane is like, what do you mean? And then she's like, he hits a button. And then it cleans all that shit out, and it's just like it, it looks so. It, it was like, what? I'm yeah. sorry. It's just a baby on like a counter at a Roy Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, plus ten points for the Roy Rogers reference. Holy shit! Oh my god! And the joke of the night goes to. Oh, the synapse in my brain that was storing that information was just like, what? I never thought I'd have to work again. Oh, my God. Holy shit. Oh, man. (laughs) That's before all the CGI. They had no CGI in any of these movies. Um, There was CGI in Time Cop. They had the toilet bowl effect where they kind of went through and came back (laughs) It looks like flushed. And and, I wanted to, I want, before we end, it's like, I wanted to talk a little bit about how, um, back back in Time Cop, when they, when, um, when Jean Claude Van Damme kicks Senator McComb into himself. Oh. And then he turns into a 90s screensaver. Like, he just, like, the pipes come out. Like, all the pipes come and start to form. Oh man! Uh, and in this movie, it's like the 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 motorbike flying effects. Ooh, those effects were rough. You're spoiled. Um, when he, <laughs> yeah, it's true. I am spoiled uh, because those effects were bad. The effects of the robot also were were surprising. Like I I hated that robot, the ABC <laughs> robot. Uh, yeah, that, well, that that was the Terminator. I mean, it was like yeah. Iron Giant meets the Terminator, right? Um, yeah, I know they based it the look basically off of the comic, but oh, okay, it still okay. doesn't look good. Like that, I don't know. It looks so goofy to me. Did you guys? It was slow. It was slow and lumbering. It's just like how this was used during a war. Like what kind of? <laughs> well, they lost the slow- war. They lost the war exactly off of this uh, horribly. It was it was like a mo- it was like a walking radiator. But I'm amazed the... it snuck up on Diane Lane like a ninja, like out of nowhere. She's <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've got she learned, you. She learned a lesson in Tuscan Sun. She didn't let that guy come up from behind her. <laughs> what? <laughs> 
Once again, Basil right. Smith I... located on Lorimer and Ben. <laughs> Yeah, most people forget about Under the Tuscan Sun is that it had this giant robot in it that snuck the, that Diane Lane had to <laughs> dodge. But then they found a mutual respect for each other and made paninis. <laughs> oh, my it was, God. It was heartfelt. It was very heartfelt. They opened up their own bake shop in Tuscany. That's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> Robots and more. Robots and buns. Right. That's a different kind of movie. I don't think you guys review those. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> Actually, I mean, like I said, I had never seen either one of these movies, yeah, which right. is a, you know really surprising because you figure somewhere along the line you would have caught it. And uh, it was entertaining. Look, these are Saturday afternoon, you know, watching it, Um, you know, between – Police Academy Four, and you know, the 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 next you know the next episode of you know who's the boss you know from you know whatever you know you just oh, kind of smacked in the middle of that you watched it you are like you know whatever I saw it right yeah, yeah that's that's kind of how the feeling I got from both of them um, I, was, I was cleaning out the tortoise tank while I was doing you know like that kind of thing you know. <laughs> All right, and on that glowing recommendation, I think that's where we should cap it. What do you think? Yes, I agree. <laughs> All right. So from both of us here, um, I'm Pablo Morali Martinez. And I'm Ernesto Mancibo. And together we are the Robots vs. Texas program, and we are joined uh, – I'm uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. On Radio Free Brooklyn. <laughs> and, of course, we are joined by uh, the illustrious – the amazing Anthony Ravello. Thank oh, you, Peter. Thank you for joining this, us. This, this was the highlight of my my day. Um, you know, it really shows that being quarantined uh, shows how low you can drop, <laughs> oh, how desperate you are for any attention and human contact. So, thank you both for including <laughs> me, and I I hope I've you know done you proud, and I can definitely say. Uh, I enjoyed myself. Thanks. I don't know if anybody can claim to do me proud, but if there's anybody I would let do that. Too too, too easy. I'm not. <laughs> uh, Hold on. Uh, let me get your wife on speakerphone. And while you're out there, you could try keeping it real. But you should try keeping it right. Song of the week. Before you even get halfway through 
Vienna waits for you. 